Hi everyone, you're listening to Humanize Your Workplace with Alyssa Carpenter, where we chat about all things, well, human. On each of these bite-sized episodes, I'll give you something new to try to become more self-aware, help you build better work relationships, or just try to get you through a sticky work situation. It all starts with an open mind and a conversation. everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Humanize Your Workplace. This week we're joined by Deidre Breckenridge, who's the CEO of Pure Performance Communications. And she's done so much between teaching classes and social media and LinkedIn learning, just a wealth of knowledge. So I'm really excited to chat with you today. Thank you so much for joining us, Deidre. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. I'm so happy to be here. One of the things that you talk about that I am so passionate about, and we were even just talking now, is about the feel method. Can you back us up a little bit and share kind of you know, what you're working on right now, what your career looks like, and, and how this evolved into what it is today? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, so my, let me start with my career, because I guess I've evolved over the years as a storyteller, as a relationship agent, and they they go together. I mean, storyteller in the sense that um, I'm an author, I've published several business books. I help my clients to sort of ignite their storytelling or to get unstuck and to use new media to do it. And the thing is, is that great stories, people rally around, right? We, we know this. They, you can form bonds over stories. There's passion. There's, there's advocacy. And something really shifted in my career. So, of course, as a storyteller, as a writer, as an educator, when we think about sharing, there's the strategy part. Correct. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, we all think about, okay, so who, what are our goals and who are we trying to reach? And we do our research and the channels. We have to make sure where people participate and the messaging and, and all the measurement. And then something happened <laughs> in my career. Um, and this is, this is a sad, this is the sad part, but it lends hand to the work that I'm doing now and the purpose and how strongly I feel. Uh, my stepdaughter, Noelle, at the age of 24, chose to end her journey. And um, as a communicator, or as a human being, as somebody who you know loved this young woman, I was heartbroken. My entire family—it it just rocked our world. And not only you know personally on a level, but I stepped back as a professional to say, "Wow, um, what?" The biggest question. What did I miss? Mm -hmm. What was missed in the communication? Now, here I am all about communications and, and storytelling. So I needed answers. And what happened was I embarked on a 52 plus week journey to talk to millennials every single week to find out how do you show up in your conversations? What do you value? How do you want to be perceived? What do you expect from others, whether it's storytelling or, or conversations, whether you're in person or on social media? What builds trust in communication? And Alyssa, I'll tell you, I, I was shocked by the, the length of the responses and the number of millennials who helped. And what ended up happening was when I looked at all the responses and I did a lot of social media 
research and text analytics around communication and kind of the what's expected of leaders, the qualities. Mm -hmm. What came out was that millennials wanted four things. They wanted um, open and inclusive communication. Mm -hmm. They wanted empathy <laughs> so badly. Uh, they wanted ethics and good judgment, and they wanted love, passion. And at the end of the day, it's feel, because it's in order to have open and inclusive, you have to face your fears, engage with empathy, use ethics and good judgment, and unleash the love. That is the feel model or feel method. Wow. Thank you for sharing your your journey and kind of everything that you've been through to lead you to where you are today. I really appreciate it and being vulnerable. And that's, and you and I have talked about this before. I think there's so, there's so much going on in this world, you know, with things that we're facing, things that we're dealing and you just don't know, and you just don't know what's behind. And it's so hard. I think at work to start those conversations, to ask those questions um, right. on both sides. It's, it's really hard because what I also realized, so, you know, with this model and with you, you can, the model backs up the stats out there, you know, on, on the empathy part, let's, you know, there, there's a stat, it's in one of the, it's either Pew or it's a Deloitte report that says 79% of millennials would leave their current organizations to go to one that's more empathetic. But here's the thing. It's not like you can just um, all of a sudden decide that you're going to be empathetic. Like, I'm going to go in tomorrow into the workplace, and Joni, who has been in meetings, um, maybe she's quiet today, and you call this out in front of everybody, and you say, hey, Joni, you know, what's, what's the matter? I notice you're speaking less. If there's no trust in that group, in that cohort, or between those two people, even if it was in private, Joni would not say, I had a panic attack, you know, two days ago or three days ago, and I, you know, I'm, I'm having some real, real issues, or I've got debt up to my eyeballs from college and I'm struggling. That would not come out because the trust is not there. And you mentioned the word vulnerability. That's where it starts. I think leaders, supervisors, managers have to bring the vulnerability to the table. Not everything is always so great and right. Right. Mistakes are being made. Maybe that's a way to have better conversations. And it's so difficult, even just my work in higher education and, and seeing that and being impacted by suicide. It's so it's so there. Unfortunately, yeah. it's so prevalent. And we're seeing just the statistics. I think something even came out today. Of I think it went up 74 percent, just something crazy oh. um, in terms of these numbers and and you're right about this you know you can't not care quote unquote one day and the next day ask people a million questions about you know what's going on in their lives how how have you or even kind of using that feel model how do you make a shift i almost see it as these baby steps of now i'm starting to care i get it it's important i want to get to know you what do you say how do you start those conversations so I will actually recommend for anybody who is listening to go and take the feelfirsttest.com. It's actually feelfirsttest.com. If you go and take the test, and, and granted, it's not 10 questions. There's eight questions per section. It's evaluating you on your ability to be open and inclusive, 
on your empathy level, on your ethics and on your, you know, passion and love, you have to know where you are Mm -hmm. in order to take steps to get better at feel. And this particular test, um, it will score you, it gives you an overall score and it gives you a score in all four parts of feel. It also recommends exercises that you can do to increase feel. That would be step one. And then once you kind of see how you score, like I I recently had a professor say to me, oh my gosh, I didn't score in the empathy section as well as I thought I would. I mean, I'll I'll be completely transparent. Um, I didn't score as high in the fear, face your fears. So I would like to see myself higher. And it's all subjective. We all want to be like feel masters. The the highest score you can get is feel mastery. And when you're at that level, then you really need to start telling people what you're doing. (laughs) But in any case, it's surprising to see. And then I think at that point, um, there are ways, and we can talk about it, to shift the conversations. Yeah, and I, what you brought up too, and and I do a lot of work even with strengths, is this idea and empathy comes up um, as some people's strengths. And just because you have that doesn't mean you're empathetic. So just because you can you can feel other people's emotions, you know what you're thinking. They're thinking. It doesn't mean you're acting upon it or doing anything with it or just because you know okay we're having this conversation that understanding people where they are and right. getting to know them is important one it doesn't mean you care or <laughs> that you even exactly. do anything about it it's, it can't be a surface level thing exactly so most people and i know you know this but typically people don't realize there are different levels of empathy and whether we know it or not you, if you are empathetic, you could be operating on a cognitive level, mm-hmm. which is fine, but you can learn to increase that. So on a cognitive level, I might be able to, just as an example, I'm having a conversation with somebody who's on my team, and I actually recognize, uh, because I'm at, I can actively listen and watch their body language, that they are struggling with something. On a cognitive level, because I have a little understanding, I will adjust my body language, my tone, maybe on social media, I recognize something, I adjust my tweet, but that is far from compassionate empathy. Mm -hmm. Compassionate empathy is when you really, really know what's going on. You have that deep level of understanding and that trust is there that when your colleague comes to you and said, you know how hard I worked on that presentation, man, I just blew it in the Q and A where you can then say, you know what, I, I get it. Here's, here's what might help. Why don't we work on a, a, a plan for next time? So when we get to the Q&A, you, you should expect these questions and we'll go through them. That's like an action plan as a right. part of the empathy. Big difference. Have you noticed any trends in the data in terms of either generations or different demographics or way people were brought up that really kind of came out to you? So I'm glad you asked this because, I mean, I I have looked at data, but I'm happy to say we are gathering the data. So the test is scoring also on different professionals in industries. 
So we're going to be able to see how much the lawyers are empathetic versus how much the marketers versus the professors. That's going to be great, as well as by age within a generation and the generation itself. I mean, if I were just to speak broadly, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn, it just seems like everybody probably wants empathy. Mm-hmm. I just think that the millennials are much more vocal about it. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be accepting. From what I've seen, and even just the research that I did, the one-on-ones, a millennial wouldn't necessarily tell you what's going on if the trust wasn't there. Oh, so 100%. What what, yeah. What, do think is, a- what stands out? There's actually, um, I think Gallup said it, it's basically 85, 81% of the people that they surveyed said that they wouldn't trust somebody unless they built a relationship with them. Right. And I think, and that's the foundation, I think, to everything that you're talking about. I think oftentimes, you know, we'll read, we'll talk about things and say, just go have a conversation or just do these things. But if you haven't established some type of level of trust, it almost seems like you're prying. Why do you want to know about my weekend? Exactly. Why do you want to know about this? It's, it's a different thing. I think that's why um, millennials are looking for their leaders to be more vulnerable, to share first, to be able to say, hey, guys, you know, we're, we're moving into a rough week. Um, here's here's what we're looking at. This is what is really, really good, but I know I'm having a tough time, made a wrong turn. I get it. We're going to pivot. Just to be able to say in a vulnerable way, no, it's not perfect. I didn't do everything right. Um, I'm taking this advice. We're moving forward this way. That alone helps to say, oh my gosh, that person's human. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And that's being so transparent. And I was talking to somebody the other day that transparency can equal confidence. And it's not something that right. you think about. And that person's not saying, I failed. I necessarily did something wrong. But it's, this is where we are. Right. I'm not sure. Do you know the answer? Let's work together. It's okay to not have all the answers. But it's tough to be in those positions and, and actually admit that. I know. And if we could all just get more comfortable about realizing that we are human and that it's okay to make mistakes. That's how you learn. I think we'd be in a better place. This whole notion of proving something Mm -hmm. like I'm going to prove it. I'm going to cram it down your throat. You know, I often, I I think about, I don't, I don't know if you know this author and he's a negotiator, Chris Voss. um, Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So Chris, you, you were on my show with the worldwide. Chris was on Women Worldwide. And in his book, um, Never Split the Difference, he talks about when you're having a, a conversation and there's a difference between your right and that's right. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're having a conversation and you're trying to prove something, the person who is listening might be like, okay, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're absorbing it that they get it, that they believe in it. It's almost like, okay, whatever, you're right. Where when somebody says, that's right, that means that they're not only understanding, but they're saying, you you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, that that's right. Because somewhere along the lines, you've also included their yeah. thoughts in what you've said. 
So even in our conversations, the way that we word things, the way that, I mean, Alyssa, it, it's toxics on yep. social media, depending on the topic you're talking about, but this doubling down notion and proving, rather than retreating to opposite corners, wouldn't it be great even if we could just say, well, why? Or, you know, tell me more. I, I want to understand. I want to understand where you're coming from. That helps. That at least might move the conversation into a place that feels better where you might have a relationship. And this is all feel. This is definitely right. feel versus the minute you bonk heads and it becomes polarized. You're not, there's no yeah. feel. There's no relationship. No. And it was a quote I saw maybe even yesterday. It was kind of differentiating between information sharing and communication. So information mm -hmm. sharing is just giving something and communication is almost when somebody understands and then even taking a step further as dialogue is kind of responding and asking those questions of tell me more or yeah. can you clarify. And to me, a lot of it also is about active listening because it's, it's just as much about what somebody is doing or maybe saying, you know, then obviously what we say in return. Yeah. And I'm curious kind of, because I think that to me, that's also part of feel and being empathetic and mm -hmm. active listening. How, how can we, or what are some strategies that you've used to even build on being an active, a better active listener? So I, I'm going to name some things that we can do. I just want to mention that if you can't get to the active listening, which kind of stopping all the chatter, really focusing, not having a knee-jerk reaction, all that will let you be more open and inclusive, which leads to the empathy, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to open the channels and the active listening, step one, I would say, where's your smartphone when you are in a meeting? Chances are it's right next to you. So if you're in a if you're on a one on one on one with somebody, and or you're in a, a group setting, if you can just turn off your notifications, put your phone face down, move it away from you. Don't be looking at your smartwatch. Engage with your eyes. Engage with your body, and ask questions because people yeah. probably they're really happy when you say I'm interested and I'd, I'd like to learn more, or can you, can you give me some resources? I, I want to look this up too. Or do you need help with this? Because I'd like to get involved. Those are ways to show that you are listening and that you want more and that you are engaged. So I do think that that definitely helps. And if you don't have that, how are you ever going to get to an understanding and then to the empathy? part because you won't even get past the knee-jerk no. reaction right well it's funny yeah whenever I don't and specifically when I'm talking with people one-on-one -on -one, my phone's not even available to see because I think Good. even when people when you're having that conversation one-on-one -on -one with someone even if it's on the side face down I think sometimes it could be oh maybe if they get a phone call you know subconsciously you're thinking maybe yeah. they'll pick up the phone you know but it's not there but it's so rare that that happens and we have interactions that I think people are surprised you know when you're yes. not either typing something in on your phone or writing something down that you're actually looking at them it just doesn't happen that often anymore and that's sad. That's really sad. I um, This is an example. It's so easy for everybody to understand. 
you walk into somebody's office um, and I'll, I walk into my husband and I have adjacent offices in our home, just a hallway that separates us. And we're always both on our computers and I'll walk into his office and he'll be typing and I'll say, hey, do you have a minute? I just want to tell you something really quickly. And he'll say, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Shoot. And he will continue to look at his screen and type. And I'll say, are you listening? And I'll say, yeah, 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 I'm listening. And he's still typing. And I say, okay, repeat back the last five words that I just said. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can't be listening. You Mm -hmm. seriously can't be listening if you are looking at your computer and you're still typing. Like, it just doesn't work anymore. So it happens all the time too. And I think, you know, we're looking at different office spaces and people are like, well, I have this open door policy. People can come in and sure your door might physically be open. Right. But, but are people, you open? Right? <laughs> Is your you mind open? Yes. Cause you might be listening sort of, but then you're making assumptions about what somebody's saying because you haven't actually heard everything. Exactly. It, if we're really, really good listeners there's so much benefit in that you can solve more problems. You know, when you're present and listening, Oh my gosh, you're, you're more efficient in your work. There's so many reasons for people to take that step for active listening. And one of the, one of the phrases that you use that I love is tell me more. What are some other phrases? If we're unsure, unclear, we're not really listening that we can use to get more information or glean more from that person. So, I mean, I, I'm, I have examples of, this is more under the, I'm not sure I agree with you category, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I'm being open and I don't want to have a knee jerk reaction. I think, but it also shows I'm interested and I'm validating the fact that you have said this and I would like to learn more. So asking them about, well, you know, how did you come to this conclusion? So somebody says something and whether you think it's the most brilliant thing in the world or you completely disagree, asking them the steps to how they got there, I think that is truly appreciated. So have you ever used that before? Have you ever watched the reaction of somebody like, oh, well, you're interested. They, they immediately want to tell you. So that definitely, definitely works. I don't know if you've used that one. I have, and I even think, and your facial expression has to match, I think, the question yes. that you're asking. Because I think sometimes people will ask me something and you wonder, do you really want to know the answer to the step I got there? Do you really want more? Or, right. you know, you're trying to, and that I think is the, if you're really an empathetic person and you're just trying to understand the body language and couple those things together, but being aware of your body language that you're putting across when you're asking the question too. Oh yeah. So the verbal and nonverbal cues, and I just want to, in the, on the verbal cues, even the tone of your voice. Something came through my inbox, which is pure hell this week. I'm digging through mounds of emails, but I did see something come in that says a lot of the way people react is in tone. And if your tone is not, and I do a, a lot, I do a lot of media training. So if you're, if your tone doesn't match what you're saying and it doesn't match your body language, that's an issue. So as you are, you know, thinking about your body language and that actual response of, well, how did you get, how did you come to that conclusion? What, what are the steps? Make sure the tone 
actually is is meaning in a way that somebody says, oh, okay, they really they really want to know. Let me break it down for you. Oh, I the love big that. why. I want to ask you one kind of final question going off of that because I think because you're talking about email and I you know, you get so much email, you're emailing your colleague, supervisor, whomever, and it's so hard to glean that tone yeah. oh through God. written words if you don't physically see someone. What are some strategies or questions or tactics to get a clarifying message from the the written piece? So can I just tell a really quick story? Of course. Okay. Uh, this was when I owned my agency. And one of our clients, um, an electronics broadcast B2B company, and we worked with a lot of their Japanese engineers and uh, Japanese professionals in, in general. And an email came through from the general manager of communications. The team that we had, which is wonderful, just so happened to be all women on the team. And you know, my director came to me and she said, I got this email. Can you take a look at it? And she had looked at it. I looked at it. The senior account manager manager looked at it. The writer looked at it. And we all came to the conclusion that we had done something wrong. <laughs> right? It was really, really interesting. So then we said, okay, let's include some other members of the company, some men <laughs> who are also a part of this world, but they're on the advertising side. Let's bring them in. Let's grab a couple and see what they say. Their perspective was completely different. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting, just the male-female dynamic. So one tip is not open it up to more people. It doesn't necessarily have to be by gender, but it could be people who are on the same account or or on the fringe, have a different knowledge. We were the PR team, they were the advertising. That is one way, because we, we were all in groupthink based yeah. on everything that we experienced on the PR side, it really helped to open it up to other people. So that is one way. And I also think um, sometimes if it's not a super, super pressing email where you have to like, respond back immediately. You're in a crisis situation. Step away. Yes. <laughs> because right, your day can completely be affecting the way you're thinking, what's, whatever's going on in your mind, the way you read things. You might be reading it too quickly. When you step away and then go back to it, read it again and then read it out loud and even read it for somebody else. When you read it out loud, it could be different than when you just read it in your mind. Oh yeah, I feel like I've written many an email and letters that I've never sent. <laughs> Even if you wanna get it off, make sure you know you don't send it because I think we can just rush to judgment or rush to you know send something that we really don't want to send to an individual based on yeah. what they sent to us. You have to be super careful there. And if you are going to, after you step back, read it again, read it out loud, and you are gonna send, a response, sometimes it's okay to ask for more information. Mm -hmm. if, if there's something unclear, there's nothing wrong with asking, you know, do you have these details or I need to do a full assessment on this. If they have information that 
you know, you might not have, or you might need to go to other people to get some information before you can actually respond thoroughly. So those are just some of the the tips so that you don't make a mistake. (laughs) Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Really, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. I really enjoyed the discussion. And how can our audience get in touch with you if they have any questions about feel or anything else that you offer? Oh, thank you. So they can always uh, find me on Twitter. I'm at D Breckenridge and Breckenridge is B-R-E-A-K-E-N-R-I-D-G-E. Uh, I have a blog. It's DeirdreBreckenridge.com. And I do write about the feel model on my blog. Um, they can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I am a LinkedIn learning instructor. And um, I also just started, um, my podcast is on YouTube. And nice. you can subscribe to the Deirdre Breckenridge channel. Oh, I love that you put it on there also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're trying to get our <laughs> subscriptions up. We have a yeah. very small base right now. But you know what? It, it's just, if you're going to do the audio podcast, why not exactly. do video? Because people like to see the guests and the, you know, the way that we kind of interact. It's fun. It's a lot oh, of fun. I love it. Thank thank you you again. And to our audience, if you have any questions that you want to be addressed in a future episode, you can reach out to me on Twitter at not okay. That's okay. Until next time. Thanks again for listening. But did you know that you can leave me a voice message to answer any questions on an upcoming episode? Just go into the show notes and the link will be there at the bottom for you to send me that message. Have a great day.